Hello and welcome to a special Sunday show. It's covering the all-turf pick three at Keeneland, one of our favorite bets around here. And a man who's a huge fan of this bet and has been giving out loads of winners for free over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com when it comes to this Keeneland all-turf pick three. He's here to join us. Not just that, he's also a final tableist for Horse Player Happy Hour, one of 10 players playing for a Breeders' Cup betting challenge seat. That's going to be a show and a contest that we do on Thursday. You can also play along through a BCBC qualifier that's going to be happening over at horseplayers.com. We hope you join us there and then join Matt Vernier and I uh, as we cover that event. I'll be live from Keeneland, which will be very fun. But the man who will be competing in that, who's here with us today, is Michael Domable. Michael, how are things? Things are good, Pete. Excited to be here. We got a lot of activity. Uh, normally, the last couple of weeks before the Breeders' Cup are, are a little bit light, but you know, with the with the horse player happy hour tour and got these there's turf pick threes. You know, it's it's actually relatively busy, keeping you busy indeed. Now we got a chance to meet at Keeneland. Was that in the spring? Have you have you been there for this fall meet? Is it on your your agenda to get there before it's all said and done? Um, it was. Yeah, we met last fall. I think it was uh, the the contest day from That's last fall. Right. That's right. And then, uh, yeah, I haven't been back since then, but I'm I'm gonna come for the for the Breeders' Cup, so I'll be there. Oh, awesome. shortly, just a little after the fall meet. Very good. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's still it's still Keeneland in the fall, though. I did go out of my way to make sure I get there for a couple of proper fall meet days before we get into the pure chaos of Breeders' Cup. I just love it so much around Lexington, and I love this bet. I know you're a big fan of it, and and the way that it it helps you as a player in terms of the way you look at the races. And you've had great success over on the blog. I'm sure you've gotten a lot of applauds from people. You, you must be pleased with yourself. Can we can we finish off in a big way too? Yeah, I think so. I think we had we had two two four figure hits on the blog so far. I mean, I don't I think it might be a little greedy to get a third, but we're going to give it our best shot. <laughs> this one, I don't know about you. I mean, I think we're gonna. I think we can hit this for sure. I think we're gonna have to hit it more than the five dollar minimum if we want it to be if we want it to be four figures. That was just my reading of these races, but we can go through them one at a time and and get all of your thoughts. We kick off here in race number five, where we've got a salty allowance race with a full field. We're going a mile and a 16th on the turf. 3.08 is the scheduled post time. What numbers will be on your tickets to get this thing started? Yeah, I think you hit hit the nail on the head that Thin thin might be in for this pick, pick three sequence. Um, but the horse that I'm trying to get Thin with in the first leg is actually a bit of a price. So, I mean, I think the conversation's got to start with Dark Shift. Um, probably going to go off favored. You know, anytime a, a horse comes over and it's got a win at the at the Royal Ascot meeting, that's going to deserve a lot of respect, especially when that when that win was was over 20 was in a field of 29 and carrying one of the top weights in the race. Uh, but, you know, when he's coming, these foreign shippers, you would probably trust that the form would be repeated a little bit more if it was coming into the, the barn of like a Chad Brown or a Christophe Clement or even Bill Mott. Um, no, no disrespect to this barn, but you know, to take a short price that he's going to repeat that, that form is, is maybe a little bit of a losing proposition. So I actually really like King Vega in this spot and, and hope that our man, Nick Tamaro is right with his eight to one morning line. Um, I've watched the last race, the, the grade three sing spiel, and there's really never been a more perfect example of a horse that just didn't see out the distance than he, than he did that day, a little rank going into the first turn. So I think this turn back to to eight and a half from 11 is, is really a big positive. And, 
his two back win over that field at Colonial was was really impressive. Um, and I think when you have a horse like this, what's where he's kind of a little bit hard to handle early on. I don't think you could like uh, cherry pick a better rider to switch to than Joel Rosario. So I like the four, and then I'd back up with the the two, uh, ten, and twelve. Uh, the twelve is Shadow Sp- number twelve. Number twelve is Shadow Spinks, and this is really the type of Mike Maker claim that he excels with the ones that have back class that he can get he can get them back to going long on the turf. We're similar here. I did go ahead and make Dark Shift the lone A. Just looking very live off that Ascot run. But more than that, I really like the fact that he won around Nottingham, where actually was uh, last week, just because that's a left-handed course. And I love when they have left-handed form when they come over here. I'm not going to go crazy. And if this horse is even money or something, I may pivot my approach. But the 9-5 to of Nick's morning line would be okay for me. I'd even use a little bit shorter in a bet like this all-turf pick three. I agree with you on uh, on King Vega very very logical runner in this spot as is number 2 Spanish Kingdom who ran so well at Kentucky Downs now it could be that the unique course configuration at Kentucky Downs just suited number 2 Spanish Kingdom but i just love the situation for this horse looking at pace figures where he figures to sit he's got enough tactical speed to get a good position early and i think he's got enough finish to stick on in the frame if not win the whole thing so i was going to go 10 with 2 and 4 for Michael it was four with two, 10, and 12 on the backup line. Very quickly, because we could do a whole podcast on this topic, We've something we've discussed on a few other shows. How have you been handling the Kentucky Downs shippers as a group at this Keeneland meet? Yeah, I think it's really a case-by-case basis. I, I mean, I think there's probably people who have been digging into the stats a little bit more than I have and looking at specific uh, trends from that from that whole sample but I kind of look at it on more of a horse by horse basis I always kind of take I'm, I'm more willing to forgive a bad form line at Kentucky Downs than I am to disregard a good form line at Kentucky Downs I guess that's probably the one piece of information that I normally go by that makes a lot of sense and I think you're right to be selective about it we talked about it before the meet with Matt Fagvolgi and I'm curious how his opinion has changed he was just surprised how in aggregate not good the numbers were but I just don't think you can lean against these horses just because there's so darn many of them for one thing um, and I think your approach of, of being forgiving of the bad form while respecting the good form probably makes a whole lot of sense let's move on to race number seven we've got grade three action in the Dowager Phillies and Mares three and up going a mile and a half around this Keeneland turf. And I had an idea on a horse that I think could be an okay price in this spot too. Number eight, Stand Tall, I thought could be uh, very, very interesting. Second off the layoff, I think he can ignore the last two runs for various reasons. And when you look back to the 12 for a long run, she was right on the wire with Temple City Terror. Stand Tall's raced around Keeneland three times, won all three. Rusty Arnold, a good long shot trainer generally. Lots of arrows pointing in this direction and a double digit number on the morning line. On form, I think you have to use the five Temple City Terror. Gotten very close to Warlike Goddess twice. Enough said there. And then I was also going to try to mess around with the seven beside herself, who I thought had a wire to wire chance. Very strong jockey, obviously, on turf and just an insanely hot barn. Part of the reason I like King Vega in the last is how how well the Grand Motion Barn has been doing. But I mean, the things that Todd Pletcher has been doing at this meet, they're just absolutely otherworldly. So I think there's a world in which Temple City Terror wins this at a short price, but I also wanted to mess around with the eight and the seven, eight, five, seven for me. Michael, how do you see it? 
Yeah, you mentioned a couple, the two of the ones that are going to be my A's in this spot. When I first looked at this race, I thought um, beside herself, number seven would be super dangerous if she's allowed to waltz along on the lead. I think that's possible because the other horse that's up there on the Timeform US pace projector is number four, Flying Fortress, and I'm not really sure that she's a really a, a speed type. So they could let beside herself uh, go alone on the front um, under Flavian Pratt like they did. Uh, when she defeated Olders back at Saratoga in the late summer. Um, so that's one scenario that could play out in my mind that I see uh, I would want to have beside herself on all my tickets. And then if Flying Fortress or, you know, it's a big field of 10, if some other horse that I don't foresee going to the front challenges her early, that that would set it up for the horse with the best late kick, who I think is Temple City Terror, the number five. Uh, she's lost three straight, but you can kind of forgive each one of those efforts. Three back, it was a complete bog at Delaware. Then the Glens Falls, she was right there with Warlike Goddess closing into a slow pace. And then in the way, uh, when Virginia Joy wired that field, it was kind of a like a historically slow pace for Virginia <laughs> Joy to be able to wire Warlike Goddess. And Tumble City Terror was closing closing that one down as well. Um, so set five and seven would be my A's. And then as far as backups, uh, I would take the two uh, Eclipse and Graham Motion Runners as my backups. So they there's the same owner trainer combination with two horses in here. The first one is Sister O'Toole, number six. Uh, you know you can argue that she took advantage of a weak West Coast Turf Division last time, but she made this huge middle move on the backstretch, which is rarely rarely a winning winning move, um, and still was able to finish off that field. And then the eleven Mia Martini Mia Martina might just be getting good at the right time one over the course and distance just 16 days ago. Um, and so that, that form over, over that same course and distance is enough for me to include on a backup line. But I do think that, that the five and seven are, are likely winners. Let's talk about Temple City Terror for one more minute, just because what's going on with the Brandon Walsh barn. I mean, obviously extremely good trainer overall, but boy, been in, in tough times of late, especially at this meet. And we're not talking about long shots, not winning here. Some horses that really figure haven't been winning are we at a point now where that gives you any pause regarding Temple City Terror? Yeah, I think it, I mean, it definitely gives me, you'd rather have him be a, a hot barn than an ice cold barn. But when you, I've, I've always thought when it comes to their, the top level horses in, in a barn, those kind of run through the hot and cold streaks. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's completely backed up by the numbers, but I, I'm going to trust that that's, that's the, the case for, for Temple City Terror and she's still able to produce her normal closing kick. And I'm hoping whatever you lose, it's becoming such a known thing now, this cold streak, that whatever you lose in terms of that, you gain maybe in terms of getting an extra half a point in the odds. You know, if Temple City Terror was trained by Todd Pletcher at this point, with some trainer going great guns, maybe you're looking at eight to five, seven to five, and maybe you really get five to two, three to one under these circumstances we'll see how they bet it we'll see how it plays out who knows we're recording this on saturday morning maybe uh, walsh wins three races today and it doesn't even matter it becomes completely irrelevant conversation but i did want to pick your your brain about that one let's move on to our nightcap race number nine the third leg of this all turf pick three we've got another allowance race we're going the sharp five and a half around keeneland this time we got 12 looking to go postward how are we going to get paid yeah, you norm- normally when you have a 12-horse a turf sprint, that screams that it's going to be a spread race, but I actually think that there's a standout in this field in the number 10, Evan Singh. Uh, both this time, both times this Colt's been able to go 
the five and a half furlongs. Uh, he's actually been able to put like daylight between him and the rest of the field, which you rarely see at those sprint distances. He's won by uh, a length and a half and two lengths. Um, and even, and most notably last time, that was a pretty live race up at Saratoga. The fourth and fifth pace finishers came right back to win. Well, both improving their speed figures. The runner-up, Thin White Duke, has gone. He came right back to finish third, beaten less than a length by Golden Powell in the Troy, and then actually won the Lucky Coin Stakes. And then we were talking about this earlier. I think you can forgive his run at Kentucky Downs uh, because, A, it was over a, a turf course that he didn't necessarily need to love, and, B, it was over um, the six-and-a-half furlong distance, which, as you know, is – even more than six and a half furlongs with the run up. So turning back to this five and a half is, is a pretty, pretty, um, uh, enti- in, in, enticing character, uh, turn back for him. Yep. And then the, so as far, and then I also think there's going to be pace to set him up because you've got horses like dreamers, disease, agent, Peter graves and lyrical poet who all like to do their running on the front end. Um, but I will use, the la- the last of those lyrical poet number six is my primary backup just because um, the other two speeds are kind of coming back out of route races and and if there's ever a trainer that's going to have his horse be speed of the speed and wire a field in a turf sprint that looks like it has too much pace on paper it's Wesley Ward so I would use the ten primarily and then the six is my main backup reading from the same uh, hymn book here, you and me have it exactly the same way. was going to use them both as A's, but I feel like it's the classic thing JK has talked about when, you know, a lot of players don't like to bet turf sprints for various reasons. And Jonathan's like, keep it simple, stupid method is the horse with the best overall numbers and the speed of the speed. And I think you're getting that with Evan Singh and lyrical poet. That's exactly how I was going to approach it for the record. I'll call it uh, 10, 10, six, both as A's. Sounds like you've got the, the 10 is your lone A and the six is a lone B. And hopefully those numbers are going to deliver us another one of these all turf pick threes where you've had so much success. And hopefully we'll get another all turf pick three before it's all said and done. How many days of the meet do we have left? Is it Wednesday, Thursday, Friday they're running? I think they have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I think closing day is Saturday the 29th. Okay, great, great. So they'll be certainly on that Saturday. We'll have another. Uh, we'll have another one of these to talk about. Hopefully, we'll have a chance to to get you back one more time. But we know we're going to be seeing you later this week. We'll record something early, and then we'll drop you in for the Horse Player Happy Hour final table. Really looking forward to to having you on there. Appreciate your support of the event. You've got that pinned Twitter thread about wh- what a great deal Horse Player Happy Hour is. Early indications are we're going to be back next year. I think it's been uh, it's been a big success, and hopefully we'll keep it going. Folks should check that out. Folks should be following you anyway. Tell them where they can find you. Yeah, uh, I'm over at mdom hokey m d o m h o k i e on Twitter, and then over at inthemoneypodcast.com. You can read uh, all the blogs that I post, uh, whether it's the Turf Pick Three at Keeneland or Kentucky Downs coverage, some Colonial coverage sprinkled in. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty active on there for, for the team. You like turf racing. I think we can tell from the things you choose to write about. Yeah, well, but I'll, I'll, I'll fire away at every Breeders' Cup dirt race. Don't you worry. <laughs> we'll talk more about that in our little interview that we're going to post on Thursday because I know you got to get out of here. I do want to thank you one more time. We also have to thank our sponsors, Keeneland Select, keenelandselect.com. 
Very good new sign-up bonuses. If you already have an account, if you're not in a state that you can get a Keeneland Select account, I still say find somebody who you know who's a friend who is and get them signed up because it's an opportunity to get free money. And that's a great thing ahead of some more great days of racing at Keeneland and, of course, the Breeders' Cup as well. KeenelandSelect.com, the place to go. Mobile betting that pays you back. That's going to do it. This show's been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kitchen. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos.